quick apology for some of the audio quality on this week's episode. Uh, there were some issues with our Zoom recording, so there may be the odd moment where there's a little bit of crosstalk that I haven't been able to edit out. Hopefully you'll forgive us and enjoy what is a really interesting interview with Ian. As a person who regularly gets their name said wrong, if you could say your first and last name, give your pronouns as well, then I won't pronounce your name wrong and other people yeah. will know who you are. So I'm, I'm Ian Evans, um, so pronouns he, all day is fine. I work in information studies in um, teaching and learning administration. Hello and welcome to Shelf Healing, UCL's bibliotherapy podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Markwick. Our guest today is Ian Evans. Ian is the Teaching and Learning Administrator for UCL's Publishing Masters and for the research students in the Department of Information Studies. It's a very full-on job and Ian is the student's first port of call for any and all course-related issues. This is particularly important this academic year as all teaching is online. So Ian is very, very busy this year. So thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. You're welcome. It's been a, been a really different year, hasn't it? Really full on, but it's nice yeah. seeing everyone on, um, on Zoom calls and feeling connected to all the students again. <laughs> the bustle and the interesting people around is one of the nice things about the job, so I've been missing that. Yeah, I imagine. So the first question to get us started is nice and easy. Do you feel that reading is therapeutic? Yes, I do. I like to read yeah, as much as I can. I find I'm a bit addicted to um, the internet and like obsessively going through Twitter and things like that, especially with the, the news and like you know, COVID and Donald Trump and Brexit. And the world's got a lot of news happening. At the so reading is, is good because it focuses me just on one thing. So instead of clicking through my phone, um, I'm actually just focused on a book, which really pulls me out of uh, day-to-day life. It's lovely. I find that something really good about books. You really have to focus on just that. You can't, you don't get distracted like you do with your multiple tabs open on, on your computer. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, it's not, not so much kind of a, a fantasy that I like to go into, but I like, you know, a book that just fully, fully absorbs me. So I'm like off in another world for an hour. That's really good. Talking of absorbing books, what type of books do you reach for when you want to improve your mood or feel better or just generally relax? Yeah, I like, I like everything really. So I read a lot of non-fiction, so like subjects I'm, I'm interested in. Uh, and then I've got, I've got a little son who's eight, so I read a lot of um, children's and young adult books at the moment. So some of those are, re- are really good. Like there's, there's like great children's books on there. Often they kind of touch on adult subjects in a really nice way because they have to explain it to children everything like that. <laughs> yeah. great I I find that sort of thing you know that the absorbing nature of the non-fiction books can be quite a nice break especially if it's in a really specialist topic um, mm. it's always quite nice to yeah to. yeah that's what I need to get more into into novels again I, I used to read a lot when, especially when I was a teenager I really wanted to read like every classic novel so I had a list and I'd tick them off but then as I've got older I've got a bit bit lazy about that much commitment <laughs> I think I was trying to prove a point and like try and prove I could be intellectual <laughs> and I just kind of you know read things that catch my eye now mm. 
Well, that's, that's always a really good way. I mean, some of the classic novels are really very, very long. Um. Yeah, that's right. I did. I got about halfway through Vanity Fair, and I remember it was like very long, and it and it is good, but it wasn't quite holding my. Holding no, my... I've got a really old copy of Vanity Fair. It's from like eighteen seventy three. And that's my excuse for not reading it because it's from 1883. Yeah. I'm not going to read it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I read it like, like back in those days. I read, um, yeah, like Pride and Prejudice and the classics. And the, those of these are really good. Like Pride and Prejudice is just really good, isn't it? It's so, mm. it's still really modern and really funny and like really sort of emotionally literate. It's really good. I love that book. Yeah. Is <laughs> there a particular book that has profoundly affected you? Yeah, so I've got some books to show. So it's it's so big I can almost not pick it up. But it's this enormous book called um, Jerusalem by Jerusalem, I should say, by Alan Moore. So that that had a huge effect on me. Um, I'm a really big fan of Alan Moore. He's a graphic novel writer. He did like famously Watched Men and V for Vendetta and all those. But he's a real like proper philosopher who like thinks a lot about serious philosophy and writes about it which isn't as well known as his, his comics and his film writing. But Jerusalem's amazing. So it's three three huge books and it's like an immersive experience where it's so long and so like overwhelming. It's like going to another dimension for, you know, the, it took me about a year to read, I think. But it's kind of a fantasy about his, I don't, well, I don't know if he actually believes it, but it's his theory about the workings of the universe and how... Um, yeah, humans all exist in God's imagination and we're all part of the plan of building heaven and hell in real time. So every action that someone makes kind of contributes to the world either becoming more like heaven or more like hell. And there's like hundreds of characters <laughs> inter- interrelating across generations and then some of them die and come back as ghosts and then some of them you, you see the alternate dimension version of them. So it's like insanely, <laughs> insanely complicated. Yeah, by the time I finished, I really felt like it totally changed me. And I thought, like, I really have to be kinder and, like, think more about people. Like, things actually are really important. Mm. That, was, that was nice. Because I haven't come across Jerusalem by Alan Moore. And I, I know him through Watchmen and V for Vendetta. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a little Google when you, you mentioned Jerusalem. And mm-hmm. I have to read it. I have to. Yeah. I need to find it. <laughs> It's very good. He did a similar um, one called Promethea, which is a graphic novel. Uh, and it's kind of a similar topic where it's about how things in life you take for granted might actually be really important. That, that's really good as well. That's sort of easier to get into because it's a comic. But um, Jerusalem's probably, it's probably better. I think that's sort of his masterpiece, mm. I think, anyway. Well, <laughs> you've described it even better than you did in our emails. And I, I need to read it now. I need it. Yeah. It it's like really a, yeah, it's like it's you know like like the Bible. It's like reading the Bible. It's like really, really kind of heavy, heavy philosophy. Mm. Yeah. So you were profoundly affected by that. I wanted you to sort of just think about the world differently and be more kind to people. But are there any books that you kind of treat like comfort food that you return to over and over again? Yeah, I've got loads of some. I'll grab some. See. So I really love this guy, uh, John John Higgs. He's called, I read a lot of him. So he writes kind of pop culture books and popular history. So this one, Stranger Than We Can Imagine, is really, oh, get it lined up to the camera. And that one's about the, the history of the 20th century and, and everything that happened in the 20th century, uh, sort of trends in thinking and 
yeah, no, it's it's really good anyway. Look, really really exciting. And then this one I got recently, Watling Street. So Watling Street's just a really ancient street in Britain that's been here since Roman times, and most of it you can still walk on. So he just walks the street and shows them, you know, what it was like in different eras and why it's important. I love that kind of sort of non-fiction book where they're they like I said earlier they focus on something very very small and then give you loads of information and detail about it. I always find those yeah very I good. like that as well. Okay, that's probably similar to Jerusalem actually. That might be why I like both of them is Jerusalem's about how everything everything is much more important than you think. Mm. <laughs> and then what else? Oh, yeah, I was going to say about Transformers thing. Yeah, I like a lot of um, graphic novels. So this is Transformers, believe it or not. So I was really into Transformers when I was a little kid in the 80s. James Roberts has written these adult Transformers novels called More Than Meets the Eye. And they're really good. They're like, probably the best graphic novel I've ever read. They're really, really deep, like really emotional. And he's sort of written it for adults. So he does loads of, it's a bit like kind of Game of Thrones where there's like constant twists and you just thought, oh, I can't believe he did that. Like that's like he's just, he's just done something really shocking. So there's loads like that. And then the other thing I like is he's really thought about, you know, if you had a race of robots, what, what would that actually be like? So, they, you know, they can modify their bodies. You know, essentially they're genderless, so they can present as male or female or change it. And then, you know, if you were that kind of species, what, what would that be like? And so there's things like there's a dictator who's obsessed with people not being able to change their form. So like if you, you know, obviously like Transformers change into a tank or whatever. So if you change into a tank, that means you have to be a soldier and you're not allowed to not be a soldier. So then there's like rebel groups who say, you know, I turn into a tank, but I don't want to fight. I don't want to be a soldier. And then, so there's all sorts of issues like that. Isn't it? That's really interesting. Taking sort of such a, a fun idea, such as Transformers. And I remember watching all of the cartoons, you know, when I was younger. Yeah. And having that idea and then just adding this whole extra layer on top that's yeah. really relevant. It's very good, yeah. So it's, it's very good for like gender stuff like that. So also, of course, yeah, Transformers were a boys' toy in the 80s. So they, they were all um all male characters in the 80s, which of course was just because they thought boys wanted to play with male-looking characters. But the way he's written it, he's you know, he's thought through if you had a race of all male presenting robots kind of essentially any romance would would be so get you know a gay relationship would be the norm because they're all so he's got a lot about how it's essentially a gay culture as well it's really cool it's really interesting yeah. yeah it's really really good writer yeah james roberts what is it about these books do you think that keeps you coming back is it the great plotting or is it sort of more the comfort of returning to old friends um it's probably a bit of both actually i like I like all of these because they're they're fully absorbing, so that kind of stops me wanting to be on my phone at the same time. <laughs> so that's really good. And then I guess with Transformers, it's a it's a bit that it's the nostalgia of something I was into when I was a kid that reimagined. It's probably a bit of both, but more the absorbance, I think. Mm. So I know it's it's probably not the best question for the the whole lockdown two moment, mm. but um, do you read in a particular place or at a certain time in your day? Uh, yeah, I do. At the, at the moment, it's all been thrown a bit by lockdown, actually. So I'm, I'm reading a bit less. But before lockdown, it was mostly on my commute on the tube. So I really liked my commute because I'd have an hour to read a book in the morning and then another hour to read a book on the way back. So I'd get two hours sat down reading a book every day, which was lovely. And I 
we go in pubs quite a lot. So if I meet friends, because I've got a little son, so I don't have much time. So when I'm not at work, I'm usually doing childcare. So if I do go out to see a friend, like I really try and make the most of it. So I usually try and read like in the pub before my friends arrive, if I can get there early. So ordinarily then, that's a lot of reading you get to have every day. I'm, I'm quite jealous. I don't mind. Yeah, so much that's time. true actually. Yeah. I suppose, so yeah, probably about two hours a day time. It's, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. That's kind of I have to listen to audiobooks a lot now because I spend a lot of time driving to my different clients. So yeah. I have to listen to audio, which it doesn't have quite the same effect. I find as a sitting yeah. with a proper book. I like audio books because well, hearing the author's voice is interesting or an actor's voice. I guess the thing I don't like is you don't get to imagine the characters yourself then, do you? You're kind of tied into their way of imagining the character. But sometimes I find audio books, I, I follow the plot better, especially mm-hmm. with like old fashioned books where it's it's kind of a barrier to the language to get through. If you hear it acted out, it's kind of a lot clearer. You know, that line's supposed to be sarcastic or that line's a joke kind of thing. So that's good. And we've already briefly mentioned this, but how have the restrictions on movement affected the amount of time you can spend reading? It can't be easy, especially now with extra limits on journeys. Are you managing to yeah. that time? or? Yeah, it's restricted it quite a lot, actually. I'm not reading as much. Probably just, yeah, I'd probably like read just sat in the sofa. After my son's gone to bed, I'd sort of read him, sat on the sofa for half an hour probably. So it's probably gone down to about half an hour a day instead of two hours a day. Have you found it really difficult to make that space for you to read? And have you noticed sort of the difference in, like you said, you're only managing half an hour now instead of your two hours? Are you are you missing being able to read that much? Yeah, I am missing yeah, my time's a lot more restricted now because I, I play you know, play the guitar as well, and then I've got I've got one of those drum kits with rubber pads you can play with them um, headphones on. So when lockdown started, I thought, oh, you know, I'll practice drums a lot and I'll play the guitar more, and maybe I can read a bit more. But it's, it's not really happened really. I've kind of like work has bled into my free time a bit because we're busier. You've always got the computer on at home, haven't you? You don't have the hard divide between work life and home life. Mm. I need to yeah I need to make time I think it has affected being able to read I think it would be good for my mental health if I was reading more so I'll try and get back into it do you have any recommendations for books that help improve sort of your mood and your mental health yeah I haven't read many sort of self-help books and things but this guy I really like actually my friend Felix recommended this guy Scott Oliver Berkman so two books are really good this one's really good. How to become slightly happier and get a bit more done. So this this is really good. What he's done is he's gone through loads of famous self-help books and like different philosophies like Stoicism and Buddhism and things. And he's kind of, he, so he kind of gently teases them and sort of says what's good about them and what might go wrong about them. If you were too, too um, kind of unbalanced about one and not others. So that's really good. And it's really practical as well because he doesn't, tell you you have to change your whole life he just does you know very simple things like just make this tiny change and see what happens it's a bit achievable and then this is the one i read first the antidote uh this one's really good this is about the positive thinking craze so especially in america like positive thinking is like a huge thing isn't it like everyone was always going on about you have to be positive all the time and uh, so this this one is he, he makes the case that that's a bad idea and if you constantly Think positive you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment 
and you're also avoiding kind of cues. So like, you, you know, maybe you're feeling down for reasons and you should actually ask what those reasons are. That one sounds like it might be particularly relevant for the whole second lockdown thing, not trying to be overly positive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's good. He he has an interview with, um, there's an an astronaut where he's talking about how um, you kind of make a a space launch as safe as possible. And he's saying like, you don't, you don't positive think at all. You actually like think very carefully about everything that could go wrong and then actually write down what the answers to (laughs) So you're saying positive thinking is like the worst thing you could do because it's just like avoiding, avoiding danger, you know, pretending danger doesn't exist is what I mean. Mm. Yeah. But that's good. He writes really easily. He writes in The Guardian sometimes in other papers. He's he's like really easy to read, but he's quite wise. But I find like, it actually does affect my life reading him. Mm. And I think that's what everyone hopes for really, isn't it? To find a writer that you can really click with on topics that you find interesting that that's easy to read and that you can sort of use in your everyday life sort of regardless yeah. of whether it's a fantasy book or a self-help book or, or poetry or graphic novels which we always love yeah I, I do I think I probably prefer things that are I like things that are very deep but I like the language to be easy-ish I suppose so there's not a barrier to get into it yeah <laughs> Amazing. I'm going to pop all of those books that you've suggested and talked about into the show notes so that our listeners can find them and give them a read. Well, thank you so much for coming on to Shelf. You're welcome. No, it's nice to, nice to talk. Thanks for the invite. It's nice to I've really enjoyed chatting to you. And I think it's so important that we, we get lots of different people onto the podcast because everyone's lives are busy and stressful in their own ways. And everyone has their own opinions on what books are good. And any new book, like I really now, I have to go read Jerusalem, you know, and yeah. you would never have known that unless you'd agreed to come onto our podcast. I'm really grateful that you did. No, oh, fantastic. Thanks very much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Lovely to talk to you. Yeah, thank you very much. That's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And from all of us at Shelf Healing, we hope you have a very happy Christmas and a lovely new year. I'll be back next week on the 5th of January with our first episode of 2021 with Dr. Rada Modgill. Music for our podcast by Nicholas Patrick. And thanks to Luke Montgomery, who does all of our transcripts for the Shelf Healing Podcasts.